Praise the Lord. Greetings to you all in the wonderful, matchless name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ for this morning worship day. And uh, all of us, as we know, still Jesus Christ is the reason for this season. As we mentioned before, today is a Good Friday. The whole world, or the part of the world, they are mourning. In other words, the whole world is mourning and they are worrying about and scared about the present situation. But still, it is a God-blessed day and in our calendar, it is marked and we also remember this is the Good Friday. Is it good to say or consider this Friday as a Good Friday? And it is for whom? And it is for what purpose? It is good for us. Those who are attending or remembering this day, Jesus Christ has died on the cross. Good Friday is the good day for three reasons, basically. First, it's a good day for all of us because on this day Jesus Christ completed all his work. He hung on the cross, true. All bloody and dying, that is also true. But saying with his final breath, it is finished. Secondly, because Christ died as a sin bearer, taking our place as a substitute because of all of us have sinned. He gladly took the fall. Just as the old system animal sacrifice had done. So he died on our behalf. He has taken all our sins. Thirdly, the outcome of the death of Christ was no ordinary one. His death for the whole world was that he took away his ransom for going to hell. For the reason for going to hell. Finally, Jesus' death on the cross reveals God's love and glory to the world. So, we have many reasons to celebrate it and also giving thanks to the Lord. And also for one reason, we remember the cross once again as a Christian. Before we go to the Lord in prayer, the promise of the week is Romans chapter 8 verse 32. Romans chapter 8 verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? What does it mean? What do you understand from here? If he would not withhold his son, how would he not give us all things along with his son? Paul uses the word graciously to describe God's giving. Ever and always, 
what god gives to us is not about what we have given to god it is not about our sin or lack of sin the god who is for us who loves us gives us all good things based on his goodness and not on ours they are truly the gifts from him so we have to thank god for not only he has given his own son much more than he give us all other things so we have to thank god for it let us close our eyes and bow before him before we go to the lord lord's message god's message gracious heavenly father we praise you and we thank you for the day like this once again it is a reminder for us to celebrate and to come to your throne as your children to remember the day that you send your son jesus christ to this world which manifest and reveal to this world your love was manifested your father even to us it is not only to the world personally we accepted we believe so we remember Jesus Christ whom you sent to this world you put him on the cross by shedding his precious blood and lord saved us today we became your children because of your son Jesus Christ we give all glory all honor all praises unto you as we are going to meditate the message of the cross in this day lord through your servant as you put your word in his heart lord give us your grace spirit of god take control over the whole session of the message as we are though physically in a different places different locations physically or geographically but lord we are in one one in spirit one in love one in faith lord we thank you it is we you who united every one of us together lord to hear your word let the spirit of god continue to take control over us the rest of the hour and also lord the rest of the day let this day be a day of joy rejoicing in your presence to glorify your name thank you for accepting our prayers in jesus precious name we offer this prayer amen Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I would like to welcome each one of you to a Good Friday service like this. Uh, we're having our Good Friday under lockdown. And in all things, God says we should be thankful. Uh, but before we start, I would like you to shake someone next to you or give him a hug and tell him Happy Good Friday. I uh, don't think social distancing uh, is an issue within your own household. So wish the one next to you and say, I'm happy to have seen another Good Friday like this. I've seen it. I'm not mourning. I'm alive. And uh, give everybody a greeting wherever you are. Hallelujah. Before we go in, before we start the message, uh, let's just take a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we say thank you for a time like this. We thank you for the season that we have found ourselves in. A season of joy, 
regardless of the circumstances around us, a season to remember your sacrifice for us on the cross. Lord, we thank you, Lord, because everybody is alive. We have, have a medium in which we can converse, we can worship, or we can fellowship with one another. We thank you for the good health that we are in. We thank you for your provision, Father Lord. We thank you, Lord, because we have not lost a single soul in the bread of life, and we have not heard of anybody ill, Father Lord. We give you praise, we give you adoration, Father Lord. Lord, we say thank you, Father Lord. Lord, at this time, Lord, we remember your ultimate sacrifice in which you died on the cross for us. Lord, we say thank you for that gift. Thank you for that gift, Father Lord. Lord, even as we go through this message, Lord, we ask, Lord, that you will speak to each one of us. Speak to me, speak to everyone that is hearing my voice, Father Lord. Lord, wherever they are, in the living rooms, in the parlors, wherever they are, Father Lord, I pray that your word will go out, Father Lord. Your word will accomplish everything you have set out to accomplish, Father Lord. Lord, may it not be me speaking. Lord, may it be you speaking, Father Lord. Hide me on the cross, under the cross today, Father Lord. And Lord, I ask, Lord, that your people will be blessed. Thank you, Father Lord. For in Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Hallelujah. I'll be missing all the answers of uh, response and hallelujahs. But it is well. God will help each one of us. As I've said, today is Good Friday. And uh, the Lord has asked me to share one thing or the other with you. And uh, what kept on coming to me as a topic for a season like this is lessons on the cross. You know, sometimes... uh, you will hear different denominations that might say lessons of the cross. But this one I'm talking about lessons on the cross. And lessons on the cross pertains to only three people who were on the cross on that day of Good Friday. So we'll be looking about those three characters. And the Lord will speak to each one of us in the mighty name of Jesus. Our text is taken from Luke chapter 23 verse 32 to 43. Luke chapter 23, verse 32 to 43. And I read from the New King James Version. There were also two others, criminals, led with him to be put to death. And when they had come to a place called Calvary, in some Bibles it's called Golgotha, there they crucified him. And the criminals, one on the right, and the other on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And they divided his garments and cast lots. And the people stood on, but even the rulers with them snared, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he is a Christ, the chosen of God. The soldiers also mocked him, coming and offering him sour wine, and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And an inscription also was written over him in letters of Greek, Latin, and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. Now verse 39, take note of the last couple of verses. Then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him saying, If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. 
But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Hallelujah. Now, in the whole Gospels, it's Luke that narrated, gave this big narration about what happened. Uh, Matthew, Mark, uh, John did not even give the detailed narration, uh, narration like this. And you will notice from what we have read, as I said, there were only three people on the cross that day. And if you'll notice, they said two criminals. And the other, they talked about Jesus. Praise the Lord. Actually, it was supposed to be three criminals. But Jesus took the place of another criminal. We know that Jesus took the place of Barabbas. Who was condemned for rebellion and murder. If you go to Luke 23, 25, you will see the story about Barabbas and how he was substituted and took the place of Barabbas. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Sometimes I wonder what Barabbas would be, whether Barabbas would have given his life to Christ after missing such a death at the last second. But we don't know anything about Barabbas. So who are the other two characters that were with Jesus Christ? One of the things is these were unknown characters. But they were used by God to bring a message to us. Praise the Lord. And one of the things I believe is names were not mentioned because God wants to use anyone, anybody to come to him and for him to be able to teach us a lesson. Now, throughout the years, different people have given names to this uh, other criminals. Some of them we call them as thieves. Some of them, uh, some versions will say criminals. But I will want to use uh, criminals. But one of the things is, I want to mention one of them. And uh, you know, we live in a world of acronyms. Let me, let me just digress a bit. We live in a world of acronyms. Nowadays, you see everybody with, uh, with different uh, uh, abbreviations or acronyms. You know, sometimes we hear uh, Flotus, uh, the first lady of the United States, or Potus, the president of the United States. In Nigeria, our president is called PMB, President Muhammad Buhari. You know, and uh, sometimes we hear CNC, Commander-in-Chief. Now, if we want to go to the church, we have our bread of life, you know, which is also an abbreviation. We can even go further, if I may say. And we can even have a, a PAG, Pastor Abraham Gurupathan. Or we can also have a PLS, Pastor Leslie Smiles. Or PFO, Pastor Francis Ogusaki. But that is the world that we live in. And a lot of our kids are coming up with short acronyms. So for me to be able to remember one of the thieves, I called him CNC, criminal in chief. Because when we go to heaven, he'll be the one that will have the nameplate of a criminal. But he's in heaven. So I look at him as the criminal in chief. Now sometimes some people will say this criminal in chief was the penitent thief, the remorseful, contrite, or repentant thief. Um, no name was given to him. But we know that later on in life, 
there was some uh, written work by the man Nicodemus. I know there was a gospel of Nicodemus or a book of Nicodemus that the Hebrews had. And in there, he was called Demas. Okay? And the other one was called Gestus. The second criminal that was not repentant was also called Gestus. But because of the central story in Christianity, Demas was also canonized in the Catholic Church. And sometimes you also you might go to some places, you might see locations called St. Demas. These were all central to this thief that was called the repentant thief. So I called him the criminal in chief. If you can remember, I just remember I said C and C. That's the title I've given him. Now, there are 10 lessons that I've picked that we will learn on these lessons from the cross for our Christian walk. At a time like this, there are 10 lessons that we will learn. Number one, Jesus suffered the worst condemnation. Praise the Lord. He suffered the worst condemnation. If you go to the verses before then, he was humiliated. He was tortured. Now, crucifixion, most of you would have read about it. Apart from being spare eagle to your arms, nailed to the cross. Sometimes they say they nail the head on top of, uh, on top of your head. Your bones could have been broken. You could have been stabbed. Just to make sure your death comes. Most times it was a painful death. A gradual painful death. I mean, you're, just, you're already standing up. It's either you're choking or your organs are failing. But it was very, very, very slow. It was a slow, painful death. And no one deserved that, 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 that death. Now, if you look at it to, towards nowadays, what we have. Nowadays, you hear maybe when people go to war, people are talking about being waterboarded. What am I saying? Waterboarding, putting your head tortured and putting your head into water like yeah, simulate drowning. And people have gone to prison for doing that, even in times of war. Now, you even see people that are even condemned to death in this modern day. The electric chair was what was used. Now they're saying it's no longer humane. That people are using lethal injections and they're saying, no, the, the, the injection has to be quick acting, otherwise it's not humane. So we can see how we have even digressed in death to something that is more, more humane. And I think it's a funny one also, I think even uh, our animals that are being slaughtered now, there's an there's a advocacy that animals should not be slaughtered, but they should be put down in a humane way. So what am I saying? I'm just trying to compare what our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ went through. And I start to be corrected. 70 to 80% of us, or maybe, maybe 80% to 90% of us, will not go through the death that Jesus Christ went through. Did you hear me? 80 to 90% of us might not go through that death. Reason being, most times we're sick, accidents that people die instantly, but none of us were humiliated like this. If you can remember what I said, this kind of death was reserved for slaves, for disgraced soldiers, for Christians, foreigners, and insurgents or rebellious people like Barabbas, as I mentioned earlier. These were the kind of people that deserved this death in those days. And you'll find out that surprisingly, it didn't start with the Romans, it started with the Babylonians before it moved to the Romans. And the Romans, of course, as usual, 
perfected it uh, to what they what uh, perfected it to the, the stage in which Jesus was uh, was uh, was crucified. So I'm just looking why our Lord decided to go through that. He went through that so none of us will be able to say I've experienced something that my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ didn't go through. The humiliation was much. The humiliation. At least nowadays people even die to a certain level in dignity. But one thing is there, we have a Savior that suffered the worst condemnation. I want you to show me a religion that people are following that has suffered this amount of condemnation. Praise the Lord. The second point, and it's coming from verse 39 of what we read, in which the unrepentant thief said, okay, then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed, saying, if you are the Christ, save yourself and us. Now that is a powerful statement. So my second point says, demonstration of power is key to unbelievers. Demonstration of power is key to unbelievers. In this present day and age, there's an adverse that saying seeing is believing. But by seeing is believing, you're losing the element of faith. Now everybody wants to see before he believes. And you're going to go out. You're going to preach out to people. And people want to see before they believe. Nobody wants to put faith in the word of God. Nobody wants to put faith in Jesus. And you will notice what went through at that particular point in time. The thief was appealing to God's ego for him to abuse his power. Okay? Praise the Lord. And there are two scenarios I would like to relate to you. I'll take you back to when Jesus was, temptation, was tempted. That is the same appeal Satan tried to tempt Jesus. And if you go to Matthew 4, chapter 4, verse 5 to 7, Matthew chapter 4, verse 5 to 7, I'm reading for the New King James. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him up on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. Jesus said to him, it is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Now, that was the devil at that particular time, appealing to God's ego for him to abuse his power. And you will meet people in our day-to-day in administration that people will say, I want to see God. I want to see God do this now. If your God is real, let him do this. You will have those challenges. Or someone is sick and say, if your God is real, this will happen. You raise this person, this person will get better. You have those challenges when you go out. When you go to discuss Jesus with him. Because the unbeliever does not want to put his faith in something. Praise the Lord. Now you go to the second part that happened. Now this was at God raising Lazarus from the dead. Okay? In John chapter 11 verse 40 to 44. John chapter 11, verse 40 to 44. Now I'm reading for the New King James Version. Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this. 
that they may believe that you sent me. Now when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound hand and with foot with grave clothes. And his face was wrapped with cloth. And Jesus said to them, Lose him and let him go. Now, two instances. Two different instances. Differences, one person was asking, appealing to the ego of God. And the other one, Jesus offered. And when Jesus offered, it was not for anything but for God to be glorified. When we go out there, whatever we do, whatever demonstration of power we want to do, is for God's name to be glorified. Nowadays, a lot of men of God want to be able to exhibit their powers or miracles that they are glorified. Not that the name of glory, God is glorified. I mean, you will see people, oh, I said this also there, I prophesied this also time, and this has come to pass. Didn't I tell you? Everybody is looking for his own glory. Seeking the kingdom of God first in everything you do. In anything you meet, in anybody you meet, seek God's glory first. In every situation, seek God's glory first. And they will come. They will follow. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, the next point I have, okay? The next point I have is the devil does not quit. The devil does not quit. If we go to verse 39 of that, uh, of that story, you'll find that the same thing said. Then one of the criminals who hanged blasphemed him and said, if you are the Christ, save yourself and us. Now the point I'm trying to make here, it wasn't the thief that was speaking. It was the devil that was speaking through the, through the second criminal. Don't forget that in the earlier part of the uh, earlier part of uh, uh, the earlier part of that chapter in Luke chapter 22 verse 41 to 42 this is what happened and he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw and he knelt down and prayed saying father if it is your will take this cup away from me nevertheless not my will but yours be done praise the lord this was god praying to his heavenly father this was jesus praying to his heavenly father and he asked for this his cup to pass him by. But not his will, but the Lord's will should be done. And he overcame that path. And he started going towards the cross. He was betrayed and he started going to the cross. Now you think everything is finished? And then there he was hung on the cross. And the devil was still given a last chance. Still given a last chance. No. Speak it through our teeth. Save yourself and save us too. In our daily walk with God, and this is our Christian walk, the devil will not, and believe me, he will not quit. He will not quit. He will try to bring you down in your Christian walk. He will bring issues. That will try to bring you down. He will bring scenarios, sickness. He will try to bring it your way. Loss of job, he will try to bring you away. He will continue, provided you have life in you, the devil will be looking for one way or the other to bring you down. And believe me, the men of God are not also spared. That's why you see a lot of men of God going through different scandals. Because the devil has not given up on them. He's always seeking that weak point to get to them. And that's why in 1 Corinthians it says, 1 Corinthians 10, 12, 
Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed, lest he falls. We have to be on our guard. Children of God, we have to be on our guard, especially at these end times. Especially the last second. We have to be prepared. We have to be prepared to the end of the day. To the last whistle is blown. We have to be prepared. One of the things that you find out is in sports games. People will have played to the end. And some things, sometimes the last few seconds is crucial to win a match. Basketball is constant. One that I think a lot of us will remember. If you're able to remember that is the miracle of the mom. The mom is in Saudi Arabia. And this was uh, Nigeria playing Russia in the under 20 football team. And Nigeria by 46 minutes were 4 0 down. That's after the first half, they were already 4 0 down. And the Nigerians fought, fought, and fought until the 84th minute when they equalized 4 4. And they went ahead to win the match on penalty shootouts. That has never been done. That a team will come from 4 0 and come back and win again. And that's why it was dubbed the miracle of the mom. The last second matters. The last second matters in a Christian work. In these last days, and believe me, they are last days. The last second matters. Let's be on our guard. Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 to 8 says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous just, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Praise the Lord. May that be our portion. May that be our testimony. That we finish strong. We finish mightily. Our children, please, hear yourselves up. It's not going to become easier to be a Christian in these days. It's going to be harder. But God will see us through. Praise the Lord. God will see us through. Praise the Lord. My next point is taken from verse 40 to 41. Verse 40 to 41 of the text. And this is the part that says, But the other answering rebuked him. Do, not, do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly for receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Praise the Lord. Now, one thing you also have to understand is God believes, and that's my next point, God believes in justice and the law. God believes in justice and the law. God believes in consequences. For all our actions, God believes in consequences. That's why in Romans 6.23, God can say, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Sometimes we only look at the merciful aspect of God, which is beautiful. But God is also a just God. If you look at it without scenario, God could have saved those thieves. God could have saved those thieves and continued his own journey to the cross. He could have saved those ones, brought them down from the cross, and he remains crucified. But he continued. He allowed them to suffer their faith. Because the law of the land says they need to be crucified. Now, you notice also the thief did not ask to be saved 
All he asked in later verses was to, for him to be in paradise. That means he has accepted his law based on the law of the land. He accepted what he has done was wrong. And he accepted his punishment. Now we're in very precarious days. I think we're just on lockdown now. They have increased it to uh, Matra to now to Muscat. And they have asked us to stay at home. As law-abiding citizens were required to stay at home. If you're caught outside, then you face the wrath of the law. I think I was, uh, I was going through social media. They sent me a picture and uh, it was a pastor. After they told them in Abuja, the capital of Nigeria, don't hold ser- uh, uh, Sunday service. And he's called his congregation for Sunday service. And he came to be arrested. And uh, fortunately or unfortunately, the person that came to arrest him was also a very good Christian. Because he came to arrest him and he said, you should know better. He quoted the verses in the Bible where it says, you should be subjected to the law. All the pastor could do was nod, nod, nod his head. But he heard and he was taken away. So we are required to obey the law of the land. That we're in, where it's within our powers. Now I say where it's within our powers when it does not go contrary to our faith. You know, don't forget what uh, Peter said in Acts 5.29. But Peter and the other apostles answered him and said, We are to obey God rather than man. That was Acts 5.29. We are to obey God. Now, most laws of the land will fit in to what your principles are as a Christian. So God requires us to obey the law of the land. The next point is that you notice this. The thief is, come as you are. Those thieves were thieves. They were criminals. They were criminals. But yet, they came. They had a place at the table. They had a place at the cross with Jesus Christ. It might not be an envious place. No one wants to be at the cross. <laughs> but the Bible has narrated them. My name is not in the Bible, but their names are there. I don't know what background they are, regardless of the ethnicity, color, dressing, background. They were poor. If they were rich, maybe it was out of stealing. Regardless of the culture, they came as they are. No, I can remember a story that Brother Deji Oliwatosun, that I think he has, he left, he went back to Nigeria. He gave me a story, very, very interesting story. A lady came to church. I mean, she became born again. And when she came to church, all she could wear was just revealing clothes. And people didn't want to sit with her in church. People were looking at down at her. How come can you come to the house of God dressed like that? You know, and to one day, I think she was ill or there about. I think I think the story she was ill or so, and the church members had to go to her house, and that's when they sat down with her. And the lady was so poor that she couldn't afford new clothes. The only clothes she had was from her former life, and yet she was still wearing them to come to church. Don't judge a book by its cover, as the world will say. People come to our midst, but does not lift up our nose. And look down on them. Nobody comes to church already made. Nobody comes to church already made. The church is more like a hospital. That people need healing. And that is why it's very, very important. For us to get people to come as they are. As they come as they are. They will change. They will grow in the world. Things will change in them. Even if they are outward appearance. It might change. 
if it's their language, it will change. But the most important for you, my brother and my sister, is to invite people to come as they are. Now, this is going to be another point I'm going to raise. It might be a little bit funny, or it might be a little bit uh, controversial. But for us parents, we need to encourage our youth to come as they are. We don't want to lose them to the world. We need to start speaking their language. We need to invite them to the body of Christ. On their own ways, the way they will understand it. At all times, we need to speak their own language. Because if we stand up there with our righteous attitudes and minds, they will never connect with us. It's very, very important. The dressing of the youth today is different from the dressing of my days. I cannot complain about it. But I'd rather a youth that is dressing towards the world and he finds himself in church than for him not to be in church because I've condemned him about his dressing to come to church. Some will end up in church and they'll find their way. Those sagging pants might end up becoming full trousers with a belt as they grow. Those fancy haircuts might change. But the most important thing is for them to come as they are. I can't overemphasize this. Parents, please, let's get our children to come as they are. Now, in 4041, I read that passage. That thief came to a Kairos moment. That's my dimension. We all reach a Kairos moment. A Kairos is an ancient Greek word meaning the right, critical, or opportune moment. In the Bible, it says the criminal admitted his wrongdoing. The criminal had nothing to lose in being courageous for Jesus. He came to a point that, hey, Whatever happens, will happen. It reminds me of the story of the leopards in the Old Testament. They say, if you stay, we die. If you go in, we still die. So we might as well just go. That was the point in which this thief came to. And all of us will reach a curious moment in our lives. I had a friend. I just noticed what's up good that he had lost weight. So I called my elder brother. I said, what's happening with this guy? Oh. And I noticed that he was saying a lot of verses. And, and me, this guy was not really born again, to be honest with you. And I saw he was quoting scriptures and everything. And when I called my brother, and he, my brother said, oh, he had cancer. He just came back from surgery from India. He reached the lowest point in his life. His stomach was, was cut. Only 10% of his stomach was left. But he reached a turning point. And he has accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Now the whole world now has reached a curious moment. It's time for us to stop change and turn around. As a nation, as a church, as individuals, we have reached a curious moment. Now the thing is for us as Christians, we are at advantage. It's at times like this now, I'm telling you, it's at times like that we need to speak the world, the word to the world. We need to speak the word to the world. So let's show our true Christian values. Let's show our Christian, this is one of the times that we need to show that we care for those around us. This is a time that we need to show that yes, we're Christians. How many phones have we called unbelievers? People that are fearful. How many of you have we called, spoken to them? How many of them have you ministered to them about Christ? How many people are in need in this lockdown that you have given them bread to eat? Of course, yes, we thank God we're in Oman. Things are okay, but there are people out there that are earning their daily bread. Have we reached out to them 
as individuals, as a body of Christ, have we reached out to them? One thing I know is this. And listen to this. If you cannot show me your Christianity in difficult times, then don't show me when times are good. This is a time for Christians to show who we are. Mark 1.15 says, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. That's the message you're supposed to be taking out there. Not a message of fear. A message of confidence. And I say it here. Please, let's not show fear in all that we're doing. There's a lot of things going on in social media. 5G, coronavirus. I'm tired of it. To be honest with you, I don't read anything anymore. I don't watch news. If it's not something to lift up my spirit and make me laugh, I'm not even looking at it. Because there's so much fear, there's so much uncertainty. And to be honest with you, I find out that there's a lot of us Christians that are posting those things out. So many conspiracy theories. At a Kairos moment like this, as a Christian that should know better, the Bible says, guard your heart and mind. In Philippians 4, 7, it says, And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We need to live confidently. That is the difference between us and unbelievers. If an unbeliever is running everywhere like a headless chicken, we as Christians should not be running everywhere. The Bible has told us it's the signs of the end times. So why should we show fear in everything? Why should we be showing fear? Now, speaking to the bread of life, all our members, let's not show fear. Let's stop banding fear. Let's talk positively into the situation that we have. And the Lord will help us do that in the mighty name of Jesus. The next point I have is salvation is simple. Salvation is simple. You know, our salvation does not actually to go and do one thing or the other to be saved. Our salvation is just believe and confess. Believe and confess. That's all that our salvation is. No one has asked you to go and bring a certain amount for you to be saved. No one has asked you to go and wash yourself anywhere to go and be saved. All the thief said here was in verse 42. They said to Jesus, Lord Remember me when you come into your kingdom. That was the statement I made. Now, one of the things that I mean that I, I love about this, uh, this uh, criminal chief, as I call him, he had an immeasurable amount of faith. Jesus, Lord, remember me in your kingdom. The same person that's going through the same punishment as you, he cannot help himself. He's dying on the cross with you. And yet you look at him. I said, Lord, remember me in your kingdom. <laughs> what an amount of faith. What an amount of faith can we have? And you find out he said, in Romans 10, 9, it says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God has risen from the dead, you'll be saved. All he did was that, Lord, remember me in your kingdom. And God could discern his faith. I could hear his confession. Remember me, your kingdom. Salvation is not about baptism. It's not about taking the Holy Communion. It's not about speaking in tongues. 
I'll tell you that it's not about any of those things. It's not about any of those things. I stand to be corrected. It was about baptism, global. I said, come down, let me get you baptized. Then we'll go to heaven. Or come down, speak in tongues, and then you'll go to heaven. Or come down, let's have holy communion. And then you'll go to heaven. No! It's about believing and confessing with your heart. Now, don't get me wrong that I'm saying those things are wrong. No! Maybe the thief had not died then, and he had a Christian walk along the earth. Then you would have had to get baptized. Maybe you would have taken holy communion and continue along that path. Salvation is simple. Of course, some people have come with the argument of baptism in Mark 16, 16. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but who does not believe will be condemned. Or Peter said, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Yes. If I'm born again today and I have time, God has given me time, I should be able to obey God. Baptism and the rest is all obedience to what God has asked us to do. And as a born again Christian, you're required to do that. And I know after this thing fizzles out, there will be another time for people that want to be baptized can come forward. So please avail yourself. But it's not part of salvation. We know our salvation is not by works. God does not require us to do anything. Because in Ephesians 2, 8-9 it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works. Let anyone should boast. Some people it's not by works. There's no work the thief did. Some people take the Holy Communion to please their parents. Sometimes some people just get baptized so they can marry church members. But it's not all by works. It's not by works. It's not by works. True salvation, conversion starts in the heart. And that is why when that he said, Lord, remember me in your kingdom. Lord, remember me in your kingdom. God was able to look at his heart and know where his heart was. He knew where his belief was. He knew where his faith was. So it starts in the heart. And listen to me. And that is where it's important for you and me, my brother and sister, for us to pray for those that are unbelievers. In our household, in our extended family, in our community, we need to pray. We speak the word, but the conversion starts from the heart. God will quicken the heart to come to you after speaking to you, after speaking to them, after sharing the word with them. But God observes. God looks at the heart. And that's why prayer is important. Don't ever give up praying for someone that does not know Christ. Whether he's worshipping idols, whether he's a Muslim, whatever it is, don't give up. The way the devil, I said earlier, does not give up, you too don't give up. Praise the Lord. The next point I have to say is, salvation is immediate. <laughs> salvation is immediate. There's no halfway house to heaven. There's no purgatory, nothing. The word says in verse, in the last verse it says, Today you will be with me in paradise. Halas. That was it. Today you will be with me in paradise. He believed, he confessed, Today you will be with me in paradise. What's more important than that? That the Lord can confirm to a thief on the cross, to a criminal on the cross, who believed on the spot, 
who confessed, I said, you'll be with me in paradise. That's the confidence that we have. That God has said he will do it. That's why I said, the C and C is in heaven. He's in heaven right now. He is in heaven. Some other religion, some other thing will say, the soul will hang somewhere. Some other religions will say that they'll pray for him to enter heaven. I mean, our own judgment is there. You will be in paradise immediately. You have given your life to Christ. The next point. Salvation is about forgiveness. Without forgiveness, there's no salvation. That's why the Lord shed his blood for us. The Lord shed his blood for us. Jesus forgave before he even died. In the earlier parts of the verse, it says, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. He had not yet died, but he had already forgiven ahead. He knows me and you will fall by the wayside. He knows we will commit all sorts of sin, humanly possible, within our human bodies. And he has already forgiven us. He has already forgiven us. He has already forgiven us. That's a joy. That's the story about Easter. Forgiveness. God can forgive thieves on the cross. Latently. And lastly, as I try to conclude, Good Friday is about love, compassion, and mercy. Good Friday is about love, compassion, and mercy. Everything demonstrated on the cross. There was love, there was compassion, and there's mercy. Without love, you cannot forgive. Without compassion, you cannot preach to somebody. And without mercy, you cannot take the person to heaven. Because they deserve what they got physically on earth. But eternally, God kept them. So just to recap on the points that I made, for you to be able to understand what I said. I said, one, for our lessons for our Christian, God suffered the worst condemnation. I said that there's nothing you're going through, God did not suffer. Demonstration of power is key to unbelievers. That's the second point I raised. And as I said that, we should be mindful of what we demonstrate or what we say or hold on to. Number three, which is very important, the devil does not quit. It's a warning to us to be careful in these last days. Number four, I have is that God believes in justice and law. Yeah. He requires us to live right. Number five, come as you are. He requires us to come as you are. Number six, we all reach a Kairos moment. That's number five. Come, we all reach a Kairos moment. The next one was salvation is simple. As I've said it, let's always remember that. Salvation is simple. Salvation is also immediate. Salvation is about forgiveness. And the last one, Good Friday, is about love, compassion, and mercy. And for me to conclude, there's some things I want us to check within among ourselves. Where do I stand? Two criminals on the cross. One accepted Jesus and the other rejected Jesus. Which one are you? Have you given your life to Christ? Truly given your life to Christ? 
like the CNC? That's a question you need to find yourself. Are you living right for Christ? If you die today, will you be in paradise? It's Good Friday. If you die today, will you be in paradise? Think about that. Have you spoken to your friends about Christ? That's the one amount of time. Have you spoken to your friends about Christ? Your colleagues, have you spoken to them about Christ? Your workers that work with you, have you spoken to, to them about Christ? If they die today, will they be in paradise? Let Jesus Christ's death on the cross, his sacrifice not be in vain. Let it not be in vain because he died for the whole of humankind. Mankind, the whole of mankind, God died for them. Please, when you go out at a time like this, especially at a time like this, people are hungry for the word. People's hearts has been calmed down to hear the word of Christ. We need to reach out. On our knees praying and verbally. Anybody that you have spoken with about Christ before, try and connect with the person and speak with the person. Please, I plead with you. That's a reset that God is trying to get us as Christians, the whole church to focus. And that's why Good Friday falls into this time that we're going to. I honestly believe Good Friday came here and no other time for us to rethink. Hebrews 3, 78 says, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Don't harden your hearts. Joel 3, 14 says, Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of Lord is near in the valley of decision. People are there at crossroads. Bread of life, please, let's go out. Let's preach the word. Let's make sure people are ready for the coming of Christ. But before you preach the word to someone else, you yourself be ready for the coming of Christ. That's my message for you on this Good Friday. And the Lord will bless you. The Lord will keep you. God bless. Let's pray. Father Lord, we say thank you. We thank you for a time like this. We thank you for this message that we have shared. Thank you, Lord, is you speaking to us, reminding us of the times and the seasons. We thank you for your ultimate sacrifice on the cross for us. Lord, my prayer, Lord, that it shall not be in vain. That everyone that has heard this message today, Father Lord, will be truly saved. And will say, if I die now, we will be with you in paradise. At the same time, Father Lord, may we speed up our evangelism effort, Father Lord. May we reach out with people to the word. It's our year of the word, Father Lord. As we study the word, Lord, may we speak the word into the lives of the people that we come in contact with. And Lord, as we have said, multitudes are in the valley of decision. Father, Lord, as they hear this word, I pray that you will soften their heart. You will speak to their hearts, Father, Lord. And they will come to know you. They will come to know you. Lord, may this crisis be used for your glory. May this crisis, Father, Lord, be used for your glory. Oh, that your name alone will be magnified. Thank you, Father, Lord. And Father Lord, I also pray 
for those, Father Lord, that are working in the health industry, especially those that are in the bread of life, you know where they are, we know which hospitals they are. Lord, I ask that you keep them safe. As they volunteer and offer themselves for the Lord, Lord, you'll be a hedge around them. Lord, I use them as a source of contact to the whole members of the bread of life, Father Lord. We decree and we say, Father Lord, this virus shall not have a place in our homes in the mighty name of Jesus. We are covered with the blood of Jesus. This blood that you shed on Good Friday, Father Lord, shall speak better things on our behalf. With regards to this plague, with regards to this disease, Father Lord. Lord, you will keep each one of us safe. Those that don't have their families here, Father Lord, I pray that you also keep them safe, Father Lord. You watch over them, Father Lord. And I also pray those that have lost loved ones. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you will comfort them. You will comfort them, Father Lord. And lastly, Father Lord, we pray for the governments, leaders in authority, Father Lord. Give them wisdom. Give them understanding, Father Lord. Lord, that they will do what is right for the nations. They will do what is right for the countries, Father Lord. Lord, I ask that you will do it, Father Lord. You will do it for us. For in Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. For in Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen and amen. Let's share the benediction. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. Surely, God's goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives forever and ever. Amen. Hallelujah. Have a blessed Good Friday. God bless. Bye.